All right, my church, how we do it? Oh man, y'all are so much more enthusiastic than the 9:30 crowd. If you were here at 9:30, don't tell anybody I said that. That was man, this is great. Thank you guys for being here. My name's Richard and today we are going to be in our conversation finishing up a teaching series that started a number of weeks ago called Unshaken. How many of you have gotten something out of this series? It's been a big deal, hasn't it? It has been really good and uh and today is the series finale and uh, of Unshaken. So one more time, say it with me, Unshaken. Even saying the word presupposes that what we all know to be true, which is that in our world and, and life and time and humanness, it just tends towards shaking. It tends towards disruption and things not going well or not going as planned. But when you say unshaken, it also, in that word, it proposes that it is possible that, that our world could be shaken violently. And, but at the same time, something inside of us, you know, our character, our attitude and our faith would be stable and could, could sort of, uh, ride that out, ride the shaking out. And so that's really been the point of this whole series and it's what our conversation is about today. And we're actually going to be just practically looking at a strategy for stability. So it's a stability strategy. Say that three times fast or not because it would be bad. But anyway, so we're excited. What we're going to look at is a passage of scripture that was written in the ancient, uh, the first century of the Christian faith by the apostle Peter. And he wrote this letter and in it, he talks about some really cool things that I think we're going to learn a lot from that can help us in terms of this idea of what to do when everything around us is shaking. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's going to be verses 6 through 10. So if you have your Bible, you can look at that up or maybe find it on your app or, or device. But if you don't have any of that, no sweat, it'll be on the screen. So like I said, it's 1 Peter Chapter five, uh, verses six through ten. So let's, uh, let's look at those verses now. It starts with verse six saying, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood or your family of faith throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That is a cool promise. So what we're going to do is look at these verses, and I think we're going to find a handful of ideas that can help us sort, can help us maybe put us on a path towards stability, even in very uncertain and, and times and, and situations that feel, uh, anything but stable. And so we're just gonna jump right in. We're gonna look at the very first thing, the first idea. And if you like in your info guide that you received this morning, you could follow along and take notes in the, fill in the blank. And the first idea, is the word humility. 
humility. In that verse, verse 6, it, it, we're encouraged to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, trusting that He will lift us up or, or put us where we need to be at the right time. And so when you think about humility, you think about being humble. That probably the first thing that comes to your mind is uh, if you've ever known someone that needed to be taken down a peg, you know, maybe somebody needed to be put in their place, like, like the Patriots, you know, and uh, am I right? No, look, you know, Thursday changed nothing, right? But it felt good, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um, but here's the thing. I think that humility in the life of faith is, is less about those kinds of uh, moments that somebody goes through and they end up cowering and tucking their tail between their legs or something. I think it's more really about the issue of control. I think if we really humble ourselves, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, I'm relinquishing or surrendering control. I don't have all of this figured out. I don't have all the resources to 100% totally nail and take care of this situation. And that, you know, there's nothing more humbling than that sort of realization when you realize, hey, I don't, I don't have the ability to control this. And so my recourse or, or you know, my options are to either put my life in my hands and, and trust or put my life in God's hands and trust God or uh, or kind of fend for myself. And so this encouragement to humble ourselves is sort of a basis. I think it's like a foundational deal in the Christian, the faith life, but especially when it comes to situations that are scary, you know, to things that are coming, you know, storms, if you will. And I'm not trying to be cute here, but let's just be honest. When you know something big like this is coming, I mean, it's it's a big deal. And I will pause here and I will say, and we talked about this in first service, um, I know, you know, we're all asking the same question. We've got this burning question in our mind. And that question is not going to get answered until tonight. Um, probably a little bit later tonight. And I'm asking, I'm wondering too. I'm curious Will the Cowboys be as good as they were last year? And we're not going to know until tonight. Um, and there are Giants fans in the room. Ignore them. You know, they can't. No. Oh, there is something else that's bigger and badder that's on our minds, obviously, and questions that we have about what is going to happen. But when you're facing so many question marks and, uh, and so many uncertain situations, it is difficult to humble ourselves and release that control. But I think that's what w- this encouragement is all about. It's, it's not just humble yourself because you just need to be more humble, which is true, we all do. But it's more like we can't really get anywhere in our faith journey if we're grasping for strength and control on our own. And so this idea of humility will actually kind of filter through the entire conversation this morning. But let's go back to the, the passage, the verses, um, for the next idea. And that, and this idea comes from the, the fact that we're all going to come to points in time and over and over again in our lives and in crisis situations where we're going to have to deal with worry. We're going to have to deal with worry. The, the verse, verse seven encourages us to cast 
all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. What I love about this, this verse is that uh, Peter, when he's writing this ancient letter, he doesn't say, y'all stop worrying, which we need to stop worrying, do we not? But here's the thing. If we could have stopped worrying, we probably would have stopped by now. Unless you're like my grandmother who really grooved on worry. You know, it was like fuel. It was like food for her. It was to worry and then try to impart that worry to you as a gift. Here, I want you to have this. I want you to be afraid of everything too. You know, this was, this was my grandmother. But most of us would be saying, I wish, I wish I could stop worrying, but I can't. It's not really just, it's not about stop worrying. This is a, this is a bringing of worry. This is a, an offering up. It's like a surrender of the things that I'm worrying about in conversation with God. It's as if I picture sitting at the table with God and just pushing everything to his side of the table and saying, I wish I tried. I wanted to take care of this. I wanted to be strong enough or good enough to not worry or to figure it out and to solve it or fix it, but I can't. So I'm rolling it over to you. And that's literally what the, the verse was asking us to do is to cast or roll over our anxieties. Now, how is that going to look? I mean, we can talk. You, I think it's a conversation with God. And I think it's where we speak it out and say, Lord, I need you. I need to, to push this worry over to you. But that's just talk. I mean, those are just words. So how could it, you know, how would it actually look? And it will certainly take shape differently for all of us in different situations. But I want to give you an example of something that happened for me uh, not, not that long, a little while ago when I was in a, a time of, uh, of, I was looking for work and I had these part-time jobs that I was, you know, thankful that I had them. So I had some work, but I needed something more solid. And so I was in this, this time of just interviewing and applications and resumes. And, and I had gone through several, uh, interview processes with companies and shockingly they chose not to hire me. <laughs> I know, right? How can that, I mean, you, you are just as surprised as I am. But, but anyway, what happened is, is finally, with one of them, I got to the third interview and I thought, this is, this is looking good for Ricardo. So I was real excited. And then after the third interview, I went into, and I, it just like, felt like it took forever to hear back from them. Have you ever been in that situation? I hate, you know what I hate? In addition to the Washington Redskins, I hate the fact that when you get to the end of an interview and they tell you, you know what, whether or not, whether we hire you or not, we'll notify you and let you know. Isn't that sweet when they say that? Precious. Uh, but because they rarely do. And here I was, days went by, week, I was in my third week after my third interview and I thought, surely I have. But I kept thinking maybe there's hope. Maybe I'll get that call. And every day I was waiting for the call. I, even if it was a just, we haven't decided yet. I just wanted some kind of word. You know what I'm saying? You got, can you feel me? So one day I woke up, or it wasn't, it was later, the woke up part. I'm sorry. Scratch that. I was like, it sounds like it's right after I got out of bed. But one day, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sipping a Starbucks and I'm reading the Bible and doing some uh, journaling. I don't know if you ever journal. Journaling is something a man does. Women write in diaries. I was writing in a journal. 
Don't you forget it. So I'm journaling, and I'm just, you know, writing a prayer or something like that. And then I, and I'm just like, Lord, I'm so upset. I can't get this call back. You know, and I was just whining to God. But it feels more spiritual because you think you're praying, but you're really just whining. And so I'm writing this down, and I felt like God spoke to me. That may sound weird, but it was really just it wasn't an audible voice, more of a thought or a feeling, and I realized that's an idea from God. And here's what it was. The Lord showed me that that morning and several mornings prior to that leading up to it. But that morning I woke up and I had decided, even though I didn't realize I had decided, I decided that morning that the quality of my day was going to depend on whether I got that call or not. Now that sounds simple and you're all like, duh. But here, that was what I had decided whether I was going to be in a good mood, where I was going to be optimistic, whether I was going to be hopeful, whether I was going to get depressed or not, whether I was going to get mad or not, was going to depend on whether I got the call from that company or not. And then I realized, oh no. And I, I, and I literally turned, I looked at it this week. I went back and it, and I said, oh no, that's not good. And I wrote it down because I was like, I don't want, that's not who I want to be. I can't, I mean, that's hor- That would be a horrible way to live my life. And yet it had almost been a month and that's how I had been living. And I was like, God, I don't want my day to depend on anything external. Because I, you, could, you could fill in the blank, what, maybe even today. If we thought about what we're going through right now, maybe you would have stuff you would fill in the blank. And you would say, I've decided my day is going to be, eh, or really bad, or awesome based on these things happening or not happening. And that's no way to live. And I realized, and I was thankful that God showed me that, and I realized, well, do, do, I've got two jobs and, you know, and they're part-time hard job, but I, I've got jobs. I should, I should concentrate on that. And God changed my heart and my attitude and it changed my whole day. At this point, you're saying, yay, Richard, Jesus saved you from a bad day. Whoopity-doo, you know, I, no, here's, here's the thing. Here's why it's a big deal is because I know myself. I know how I am. And when I get in a rut like that, and it might just be for a day or so, if God doesn't do something, if somehow I don't bust out of that rut, a de- more days are going to go by. And I'm going to start being distracted and neglecting the things that I need to focus on and the stuff that is going well in my life. And then I'm going to be kind of embarrassed that I'm still worried and I'm not going to want to tell people. I'm going to start faking it like I used to. And nobody's going to know the truth about what's going on in my life. And a week, three weeks, four or five weeks later, I'm going to wake up and say, what happened? How did I get here? I'm in this stupid place in my mind and my attitude and I'm all gunked up, you know, and I, and I need, I need help. I need to be free of this. And I, it, it sounds so simple, but if I could roll my anxieties over to Lord, and that's what I eventually did on that day. And it helped me. And guess what? Another week went by. Finally, I got the job. It worked out. But I, I was at risk of living a, a, a life totally dependent on, may I say it this way, on which direction the storm took. Has that not been maddening all week? It's like you wake up, no way. Now it's here. Now it's there. It's what, I can't live my life. I mean, and that's a, an actual literal thing that we're going to have to deal with and we're going to have to be ready and, and get through. But let's take this to the internal relational stuff of our lives 
isn't that the way it happens? Where we would love to know what direction stuff is coming from, and then all of a sudden it shakes or it spins or it goes in another way, and we're blown off course. But if I would, if my, if my life and the trajectory of my life is not dependent on that storm, then I'm, (laughs) that's where I want to live. And so that's what I think this is about. It's not just about telling y'all, don't worry, it'll be okay. It's about literally rolling it over. In in that verse, um, in verse seven, it says, cast your cares on him. And it doesn't say because it's stupid to worry about things. It says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares about the things you're worried about and the things I'm worried about. And he wants to take them. He wants to say, yeah, I get it. I get, I know, I understand you're worried about that. If I were you, which I'm not because I'm God, but if I were, I would be worried too. And he's saying, roll that towards me, uh, so that, so that we can go on, on in this process. But it doesn't stop there. The things that Peter was writing in this ancient letter, he goes into more detail. The next thing he says is that it's very important. This is our next step. It's very important to stay alert, to stay alert. And in verse 8 of the passage that we read, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, one of the coolest parts of being in the life of faith is realizing that we have a family of faith. You know, it's, it's, it's it's strong, maybe stronger than blood family, you know, and, uh, and we have, we all have this heavenly father and we have the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and we have the guidance and comfort of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is so cool. That's what our faith life is saturated with. But there's another reality that is just as true is that as God has a plan for our life, we have an enemy, an adversary, literally the devil who in his plan is to try to interrupt God's plan for our life. Jesus said when he was teaching his disciples that the enemy, he called him the enemy, he said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So the devil is not just this cutesy comic figure with a forked tail and a pitchfork or whatever. This is, this is real stuff where the enemy of our souls wants to derail us and he wants us to live all shaken up while God is trying to lead us towards stability. And the enemy will destroy us if he can. So it's very important to be aware of that, to be alert, and to not let our guard down. Because if you let your guard down, then Mayweather will... Anyway. So, but if you let your guard down, then you're going to get smacked. So... With that in mind, let's keep going through the next idea that we want to talk about. And this is, uh, this is our encouragement from Peter to, uh, to lean into community. All right. That's the idea. Leaning in to community, believing that we have these, this brotherhood and sisterhood of faith all over the world. And he references that in verse nine. He says he's talking about resist him. He says resist him. Talking about the enemy. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by our brotherhood or our family of faith throughout the world. He's saying we're not alone. And in this great family of faith, whether, whether they are geographically right here sitting next to you this morning 
or at parts unknown all over the world, everybody is dealing with this same enemy who is using the same kind of tactics to try to take unsettling, unpredictable things about life and blow those things up so bad that they knock us for a loop mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and messes up our relationships and just can destroy our lives. This is what the enemy wants to do, and we're all dealing with it. And if you believe that, if you buy into the fact that we have this enemy who's on mission to destroy us, to distract us, to do whatever he can to get us off track, if you buy into that, then you would probably agree with me that I believe that an isolated person is an easier target for the enemy than someone who is in the company and relative safety of community. An isolated person is an easier target for the enemy. And Peter references it. He's like, y'all, just keep in mind that we're all in this together. And so leaning into community is the wise, smart thing to do. I want to tell you an interesting story. Now, I have uh, the privilege, and it is a privilege, of every Tuesday night I lead one of the small groups that we have here at my church. And it's called Route 1520. It's a men's group. And we meet every Tuesday night and have for many years. And some of the things we talk about, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring men together in a setting where we can talk honestly and openly and courageously about the real stuff that we're going through. And in particular, some of the things we talk about a lot are the temptations that, that men deal with and even some of the failures that we deal with in the area of lust, sexual sin, sexual brokenness, abuse, um, pornography, things like that. Now, those are not easy. Those are uncomfortable topics. You're uncomfortable right now, aren't you? I can tell. I can pick up on stuff like that. It's a thing. Here, here's the deal. It's a big, it's, it's very important because that's the type of thing. That is one example. That sort of arena of, of issues and difficulties. That's one example of if we isolate ourselves um, because we're embarrassed and don't want to talk about it. And it's hard to reach out and get help. And then we are like, it's like drawing a bullseye on our back for the enemy to nail us, to just crush us. And so in this setting, we meet every Tuesday and some awesome things happen. There's about 15, 20 guys in, and it's a cool deal. It's a cool deal. Been one of the best things ever happened to me. So I got this buddy that comes, that's a friend of ours that comes to our group, right? And you're not going to believe this about this guy. He lives an hour and 15 minutes away from Columbus. And he drives every Tuesday night, two and a half hour round trip to be a part of our group. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's incredible. And I'm sitting here going, I don't even want to go to Dollar General after seven, you know, because it's 10 minutes from my house, you know. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's great. But this guy, God's done a lot of cool stuff. And he, he brings a lot to the table. So anyway, he's telling the story about how and he's a 50-something-year-old guy like myself. And he said that he spent most of his adult life going to church almost every Sunday, sitting in the pew or the chair at church and looking around and dying inside because he wanted to pursue God and, and do the faith thing, but he had this shame and embarrassment about the sins and failures and temptations that he was dealing with in his life. And he told me, he told us last Tuesday, he says, he goes, this, uh, I would sit there in the church 
And I was convinced that there wasn't another guy in the whole building that understood what I was going through. He was certain that no other person in the room could understand. And do you know what the actual truth was? Everybody could. All of us can. Because we're, we're all fighting the same battles. And he said that everything changed for him once he came clean and, and was willing to talk with some guys that could relate. And they didn't freak out and they didn't judge him. And that's kind of what we do on Tuesday nights. Now, I know, look, that's a heavy, heavy example. But my point is, he was dead meat when he was isolated. Sitting in a crowd just like ours, but he was by himself. Friends, guys all around him. But nobody willing to take the step. And see, here's that is why we do what we do here uh, at, at my church in uh, small groups. And, and the point, what we try to do with small groups is give you a chance, give all of us a chance to not just do the Sunday morning thing, to give us an opportunity to get to know some guys. Now, I want to tell you, I don't want you to freak out because every single group that my, my small group that my church has doesn't get as deep, as fast as what I just told you, okay? So can everybody breathe? It's okay. We're going to be all right. In fact, and I'm pl- yes, I am plugging my groups that I lead because I have the microphone. So, sorry. The rest of you leaders, have fun. Good luck. But, no, I, I, one of the, the other group I lead is uh, called Monday Morning Quarterback. Jeff was referring to it. Monday Morning Quarterback. You know what that group is about? It's about football, yeah. And you're probably thinking, well, it's probably what Jesus would say about football or life lessons from football. No, no, just pretty much football. Just wins and losses, fantasy points, stuff like that. We, we are going to do, do a thing where anybody who signs up for my group, we're going to do a pick them every week. And at the end of the season, whoever has the best score gets a gaudy, tacky trophy. It's going to be amazing. And uh, during the during the season, anybody every Monday night, uh, Monday morning, will meet for IHOP and uh, and for you know smack talk and expert analysis. That's what we're going to do. Now, th- the reason we're going to do that, other than the fact that people more people need to hear my opinions about football, the real reason that we're going to do that is it's good to sit. Uh, it's it's good to sit around bacon under any circumstances, but to sit. In a small group from church where bacon and pancakes are involved, and just to get to know, I'm, you know what I'm gonna get out of that group, other than bragging rights, is I'm gonna get more names and numbers in my contact list. Because when I need to reach out to people I know, more than just, hey, how you doing on Sunday morning, but somebody I really know that can help me, that when the storm hits me, I need somebody that I can call. And I'm so grateful that right now in my life, I've got a, I've got a lot of people in my, uh, on my call list. But it took a decision, a choice that I made to, uh, sit in a circle and, and talk and get to know people. And that's what we're inviting you to do. That's why we're doing rally day is so that we can just invite all of us to take the step. 
Man, you want to jump in with us on the deep stuff on Tuesday night, that's cool. But if you just want the bacon and the football, come on Monday morning, that's fine too. But you, it all, it moves us towards community where we know we're not alone. On that same night, last Tuesday, when my buddy from, you know, hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes away, when he told us that about feeling isolated, another guy in our group who was there, um, from here, from here at my church, he shared this verse from, uh, from Ecclesiastes, a weird book in the Old Testament. He said, um, and it says, uh, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10, and it talks about how it's not a good thing for you to walk alone by yourself because if you fall, you've got no one to pick you up. And we talked as a group about how cool it is that in our journey, because we, we fall sometimes and we need help and it's humbling, right? But we need that help and, and, and we've got somebody with us to pick us up. And so that's why I'm asking you. I, I want more contacts in your phone from these small groups so that when you need somebody, there's, there's somebody you can call. Does that make sense about what God is trying to do? And it's, it, that's what it means to lean into community. And I believe it could be a game changer for all of us. And that's why we love it. And that's why we're encouraging it. Grab a cookie, grab a a snack from one of these tables and sign up for one of these groups and be involved. Now back to this, uh, this passage of scripture. And this is the very last thing, the last idea that we're going to address. It's found in verse 10, the, the, the final verse in this passage that we've been looking at. And, uh, it's basically, here's, here's the, the statement that if you want to write it down, you can. God will stabilize us. God will be our stabilizer. He w- he can stabilize us. And we started the journey through this idea or this strategy by saying we're unable to stabilize ourselves. And it's hard and it's humbling to say that, but we are unable. He is able. And it is it is so worth that journey to get to the point where when a storm is coming at us, like this, or maybe we're just right in the middle already of a storm that we can cry out to God for stability. Let's read that verse, verse 10, the last verse in our passage. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you in his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's a cool promise that God will himself establish us he does not leave us on our own in this in fact cool verse also about to be on the screen uh psalm 125 verses one and two it says those who trust in the lord are like mount zion which is one of the important mountains in there in jerusalem and those who trust in the lord are like mount zion which cannot be shaken unshaken cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And then it says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. This is the good news. Our stability does not depend on our ability to keep it together, to do everything right. Our stability is his stability. Our unshakenness, is that a word? Our unshakenness is his unshakenness. 
So thank God it's not up to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are stabilizing me. Good stuff. I want to, I, I got another verse I want to read to you. And it's, uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but it's something I actually found this morning. It's talking, it's Psalm 112. It's a really cool psalm. And in verse 7, it's talking about a person that trusts the Lord. It's basically, this is what a person who trusts the Lord's life is like. And one of the verses said, that person is not afraid of bad news. Wouldn't that be great if we didn't have to be afraid of bad news? Man. Their heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. This is what I think the Lord was intending to talk to us about all these weeks in the Unshaken teaching series. And I think his message is is that as bad as it can possibly get, he could stabilize us and, and, and secure us and keep us in a firm footing, even in the worst. And it might be easy to say or easy to hope, but I'm telling you, that's what God is trying to say to us. I want to tell you uh, uh, one more little story and then I'm going to close in prayer. And after I, I, I close in prayer, Jed and the band are going to lead us in this awesome song called We Will Not Be Shaken. I don't know if you were here last week, they, they did, they showed us that song last week and we're going to do it again. How perfect is that, right? We will not be shaken. Well, what happened was there also back to my Tuesday night group. I'm sorry. I keep hammering on that. But one of my good friends who was a part of my group, our group for a long time, his name's uh, Eric. Eric Schmidt, great guy. He and his family uh, moved to Tampa a year or so ago. Um, and because he was able to get on with the police force in Tampa, it was his dream job. He had been praying and hoping for that. And it was a big deal. So he's doing great down there. Well, um, Eric's wife, Andrea, and, and their son and the dog and the cat, they're up here right now. They, they, they fled Tampa and they're staying. They're going to ride it out up here. But Eric is, Eric stayed, uh, because he's going to be on the front lines, uh, with the, with the Tampa police force. So as you can imagine, I'm, I'm concerned. You know, I'm worried about Eric. So I, this morning, I'm trying to roll that worry over to the Lord, you know, and, uh, praying. And the Lord reminded me of something that on the last Tuesday night that Eric was in our group before he moved to Tampa, uh, we, we said a prayer over him that was based on Psalm 112. You know, that little verse I just read. There's a whole chapter and it's awesome. And this prayer that I read over him was, uh, that we read over him is from that psalm. And I thought, I want to end the Unshaken series by reading that prayer over us today and asking the Lord to make it so in our hearts. Would you stand with me? And then I'm going to read through this and this will be our closing prayer. And as soon as I'm done, they're going to take us to this song. And this song will be our chance to respond to the Lord in our minds and in our hearts and, and with our prayer and, and with our worship. Does that make sense? Are we good? 
So let me read you uh, Eric's prayer, if I could. And we pray this again for Eric today. And all, all those who are responding to these, to these uh, tragedies, to these storms. But I pray it for us as well. For what we're facing coming up, maybe ahead of us, what we're in right now. What we'll deal with in the week ahead. And the unforeseen things that we can't even see coming yet. This is our prayer. Praise the Lord for all who fear God and trust in Him are blessed beyond expression. Yes, happy is the man who delights in doing the Lord's commands. His children will be honored everywhere for the child of a good man has a special heritage. He himself will not be forgotten and his deeds will never be forgotten. Even when darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. He is kind and merciful and all goes well for the generous one who conducts business fairly. Such a person will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of them will make a deep impression on everyone who sees it. He does not fear bad news, nor do they live in dread of what might happen. For they have settled in their mind that their God will take care of them. That is why they can, they are not afraid, but can calmly face adversity. They will live. They will have influence and honor. Make it so, Lord. Amen.